0: Good morning, everyone. It's so nice to see uh, so many faces in front of me. Um, If you don't know me, my name is Joe, um, and I'm going to be continuing our series this morning of one body. Um, So far, we've heard from Caleb that uh, everyone is connected, um, and from John that everyone gets to serve. Um, And I'm going to be looking this morning at everyone is valued. Everyone is valued. So to begin with, what comes to mind when you think about something's value? Uh, Maybe a monetary value, uh, or some financial benefit. Um, This might be either how much an item is worth, or how much you'd pay for something, perhaps. Um, Or maybe you think about something's value in terms of its usefulness. Um, Or maybe beauty, or maybe some sentimental value. Um, You might have considered your own value at times, uh, whether it's for your job, uh, perhaps how much you can make or save your employers, or how efficient your work is. Um, or how you're raising children as a parent, or within a family, or as a friend, or perhaps whether or not you're able to get a Covid test. Well, I'm hoping to cut through all of that today by looking at what the Bible has to say about our value as people and as believers. Uh, So I'm going to be looking at three things that show us our value, that we are in his image, that we are in Christ, and that we are valued in the church. Um, So let's get started at the beginning, uh, right at the beginning, in fact, um, in the book of Genesis, chapter 1. We see through the creation narrative the orderliness to God's creative process and the distinctions made between non-life, plant life and animal life. And then when we get to verse 26, we read this. Then God said, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God sets apart human life from all other life in this respect, that we are made in the image of God. What theologians call the Imago Dei, which means the same thing, but just sounds cooler in Latin. So what does it mean to be made in the image and likeness of God? There's a lot that could be said here, but essentially being made in God's image means that humanity was created to represent God to his creation and to rule over the natural world. We see this in verses 26 and 28 of the passage, where God says that he's making us to rule over other life forms in nature. This is not a license to exploit or damage or destroy nature unnecessarily, but is rather a commission from God to rule over nature benevolently on his behalf. Meaning we are called by God to take charge over the natural world with the same care with which God cares for us. Also, in verse 28, we see that God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase. This shows us that human beings were not simply created to populate the earth or just to rule over nature, but to do so in relationship with God. God speaks through the whole of Genesis 1, speaking light into existence at the beginning and speaking blessings over each part of his creation as the narrative unfolds. But whereas God speaks blessings over all that he has made in a general way up to the creation of human beings, It says in verse 28 that God blessed them and said to them, and this forges the relationship between God and mankind. Now we know from the fall, just a couple of pages later, when Adam and Eve are led astray and rebel against God's command, mistrusting his good word, that the relationship is broken down. But we can see from these verses in Genesis 1, that God's intention is for relationship with the people he has created. And the rest of the story of scripture is the unfolding of God's plan to bring redemption and restore right relationship with his people. Being made in God's image also means that all human life is sacred and distinct from all other life forms, from the very youngest to the very oldest. Male and female across all ethnicities and cultural backgrounds, we are all equal as human beings in dignity and value. There are some things the Bible teaches that are true of you if you are a Christian, and we'll get there in a minute. But being made in the image of God falls under what is known as common grace. It's true of all people everywhere from every time. So know then, if you are watching or listening to this, and you are a human being, that you are not simply an animal that can walk and talk, you are valuable and blessed by being made in the image of God for relationship. But when someone becomes a Christian, it steps up a gear, a whole stack of gears actually, because a Christian is someone who has entered by grace through faith into Christ. This doctrine or teaching Um, is known as union with Christ. So scattered throughout the New Testament, we can see language that talks about believers being in Christ, or with Christ, or through Christ, and sometimes into Christ. And this is some of the most important language in the Bible about our salvation, our whole salvation, from when we first believe and are justified or made righteous before God, through our ongoing walk with Jesus and work for the kingdom of God. Union with Christ changes our identity as we identify with Christ and he identifies with us. We identify with Christ and he identifies with us, not as a one-off get an invite to heaven event, but as an ongoing living participation with Jesus. We are also incorporated into his body, which is the church. We are united with Christ in every part of his life. So, in a very real sense, we are joined to him who obeyed perfectly on our behalf in his life and ministry on earth. We are joined to him who paid the penalty for sin in his death on the cross. We are joined to him who triumphed over death in his resurrection. We are joined to him who is now in the very presence of the Father and we are joined to him as we participate in God's mission in the world through the church. This means that what can be said of Jesus Christ from his incarnation to today, from when he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary to today where he continues to rule and reign as the sovereign Lord of the universe seated at the right hand of god the father what can be said of jesus can be said of you and me because you are in christ and i am in christ it also means that none of us is bringing anything to the table here this is a level playing field and something we all receive in christ It means that when it says in the New Testament that no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. We can lay claim as believers to the precious promises of God we find throughout scripture by virtue of our union with Christ. In other words, because every promise God has made in the Bible finds its yes and amen in Christ, those promises are for us because we are in Christ. Now, I'm aware those are some pretty big statements. Um, Even just hearing myself say them is making my head spin a little. So rest assured that I'm now going to back them up with some Bible. Um, So Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1 Verses 3 to 14 really sets the scene for what it means to have union with Christ. Um, I'm just going to read this because it's glorious. Um, In the original Greek, it's just one long, eloquent sentence. Um, So Ephesians 1 from verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him Hallelujah. This gives us a real overview of what union with Christ is. Chosen in him before the creation and foundation of the world to receive every spiritual blessing. Okay, so next Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So we are united with Christ in his death and he lives now in us. Romans 6 verse 4 says, We were therefore buried with him, buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So we are united with Christ in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. It says in the following verse, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. In Ephesians 2.10, the Apostle Paul again writes, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we are also united with Christ as we follow him and do the good works that God has prepared for us in living for his kingdom. We see the conversion of the Apostle Paul, who wrote these words in Acts 9, when the resurrected and ascended Jesus reached into his life. At this point, he was known in Acts as Saul, Saul being his Jewish name and Paul his Greek name. And at this point in the story, before he was converted, he had been savagely persecuting the church, approving of the murder of disciples and rounding up believers to take them prisoner. Then on the road to Damascus, This happens. So this is Acts 9 from verse 3. As he, that's Saul, neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Not, I am Jesus whose people you are persecuting, or I am Jesus whose church you are persecuting, but I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Persecuting the church is to persecute Christ himself. As he identifies with us and we identify with him in an ongoing living participation and incorporation into his body, the church. And so Christian, if you ever find yourself questioning if you have value ask yourself if Jesus Christ has value because you are united to him he lives in you and you live in him so we know that as human beings we all have value being made in by God in his image and we know that as Christian believers we have value by being in Christ so let's turn now to look at our value in the church within the one body and we're going to see here that each of us is gifted by the spirit so i'm going to return to our key text for this series uh, looking back at first corinthians 12 uh, from verse 7. now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good to each one so if you are a christian part of the church you have a manifestation of the spirit something that makes it apparent that the Holy Spirit is working in you and through you for the common good, for the good of the whole church body. There is no conditional clause here. Paul says explicitly that the Spirit is given to each one. Maybe you have a visible role to play in church life. Maybe you're more hidden. Maybe you feel significant or maybe you don't. But our value to the church has got nothing to do with how we feel. Thankfully, I mean, can you imagine I'm having a bad day today, which has rendered me worthless to the body of Christ? No. Paul goes on to say from verse eight, to one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. So just like our union with Christ, our spiritual gifts are not something we bring to the church in our own strength. We are each gifted by the Spirit, so that together we are connected as one body. It also needs to be said your value and my value in the church does not depend on what that gift is. There are different kinds of gifts, but we need all of them for the body to function well. You have a contribution to make. The Holy Spirit has gifted you in something for the good of the church. So what holds us back in this? Since we've each been gifted for the good of the church, what prevents us from stepping into the gifts we have been given And following God's calling over our lives. What keeps us from seeing ourselves as a valued member of the body of Christ? There are probably all sorts of comments that could be made here, mostly autobiographical, but this morning I want to focus on just one. Comparison. Comparison, looking at ourselves and looking at others and drawing one of two conclusions. They are better and more valuable than me, or I am better and more valuable than them. Both are toxic and hinder our growth and our relationships with God and with one another. Let's keep going in the passage, this time from verse 15, uh, where it says, Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Or in other words, if the whole church were an X, where would the Y be? Now this is important, verse 18, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? If everyone were an elder, where would the church be? If everyone were a worship leader, where would the rest of the church be? As it is, it says, there are many parts, but one body. Our creation, our redemption, and our gifting for the church has nothing to do with what we can bring or how we compare to those around us. It's all God. And he makes it just as he wants it to be for his glory and our good. So as you go into this week, remember that your value is not in the way you look or the job you have or how much money you earn or the car you drive, whether you are married or not, whether you have children or not, or whether you think you are making a difference in the world, but instead whether you know it or you can feel it or not, you are valuable as a human being because you are made by God in his image. As a Christian, you have value because you are in Christ and you are valued in the church as you grow in and serve in the gifts that God has given you. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you work everything according to the purpose of your will. We thank you that all human life is sacred and valuable. We thank you for our union with Christ and we ask that you help us to leave aside the heavy burden of comparison and sibling rivalry and instead learn to trust you more as we grow and serve in the gifts you have given. We ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.